the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hi, I'm Hugh Hewitt. Thank you for listening to the Town Hall Review Podcast, where we bring you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Our podcast is brought to you through partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy and ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom. Here's a piece you're truly hosted, and I hope you will enjoy Joined now by Philip Rucker of the Washington Post, last seen 90 minutes ago, asking President Trump a question about Justin Trudeau at the post-Singapore summit press conference. Philip, good morning. Thanks for joining us. You've had a long, long day, I'm sure. Very long day, Hugh. It's actually evening here in Singapore. The the, uh, sun has already fallen and the president is on his way home. So good to be with you. Good to be with you, Philip. Uh, for the benefit of the audience who wasn't uh, on the ground with you, we've watched the press conference. I've played the statement. I've read the communique. Give us a sense of how the day unfolded for Philip Rucker and thus for every reporter. Well, it was a remarkable day, really extraordinary. It started here in Singapore about 9 a.m., and uh, the president and Kim Jong-un, uh, in a very sort of carefully staged and choreographed moment, uh, shook hands for the first time. That was the snapshot of history. They stood before American and North Korean flags that were arrayed equally behind them on a huge red carpet. They shook hands for 13 seconds. The president, uh, as he often does with with, uh, other dignitaries, seemed to be warm, uh, patted him on the back, rubbed rubbed his arm a little bit, and, uh, and then led him into a private room. And together they sat there for about an hour uh, getting to know each other, talking uh, with only their interpreters present. Uh, and and from there, it, it went into a number of other sessions. There was a bilateral meeting at which Secretary of State Pompeo, John Bolton, the national security advisor, joined the table. There was a lunch, uh, a really interesting menu on that lunch. And then they took a stroll. Kim and Trump together took a stroll around the property. Trump even showed him Uh, to peer inside the beast, which is the armored Cadillac limousine that the president rides in so Kim Jong-un could take a look at what that looks like. Uh, And finally, they had their signing ceremony where they uh, put their names to this communique uh, pledging cooperation. And and Kim Jong-un departed Singapore and route back home to Pyongyang. And President Trump held court at his news conference for more than an hour, taking a ton of questions, including uh, one from me. Uh, and I'll, I'll come to that in a second. What was on the menu, Philip? Well, it was. Uh, there were a number of things on the menu. Most interestingly, I think there was there was uh, ice cream. There was also a, a short ribs entree uh, and other dishes. Some were Korean dishes. Some were more traditional American dishes. And of course, there was a uh, the influence of Singapore. And Philip Rucker, how long did they spend inside the Beast? I find that fascinating. The the dictator probably wants yeah. two of them when he gets home. He's, he's going to be jealous. <laughs> uh, they actually did not get inside the beast together. Trump just sort of on this stroll, they, they went, pack, or went past the driveway where the beast was parked. And Trump showed him the car and a Secret Service agent actually held open 
the door so that Kim could peer inside the back seat and see how it was appointed and what it looked like. But it did not appear that uh, the North Korean leader actually sat inside the car, and they certainly didn't drive anywhere together. Uh, Philip Rucker, I don't want to refer to the North Korean press because they're not really press. They are a propaganda arm, Gerbils like in their uh, uh, their their role. That's they're just exactly there, right. and I feel bad for them because if they get a bad shot, they're dead. Right? They're going off to the camp. But what were they like? How many of them were there? And what did they, did they mimic you? Did they did they do what our free press does? Well, I have to tell you, Hugh, I was not in the press pool with them, meaning I was not part of the very small number of American journalists that traveled up close with the president. I was with the president in Singapore, but not in the room for some of those encounters with the North Koreans. Uh, But what I saw from the footage and what I've heard from my colleagues who were uh, in that room in that select pool, uh, they were, you know, acted like normal reporters. They were sort of there and, and present, taking photos, recording it. Uh, for video, which surely will be used in propaganda pieces back home. Uh, I I have a question as to whether any of this was aired live back in North Korea. Good question. Yeah, very infrequently do they ever show live events. Those are usually edited and packaged in just the right way uh, to promote the government's interest. Now, Philip, this goes to the president and the presser. I watched it start to finish and noted that he was unusually gracious towards members of the media. Uh, and I mean Costa and you and uh, John Roberts and people with whom he's had sparky relationships and good relationships. He was just very complimentary, Eliana. I'm everybody. So what do you re- – am I, am I imagining that or is that real? That was very real. He never once, I don't think, used the term fake media. He even remarked at one point in the press conference that, uh, he was being unusually gracious to us. You know, I think he he had a little pep in his step. He felt like this was a really big day for him. And he had he made history with that photo op. I think he felt very good about what happened. I don't think he's yet had a chance to absorb some of the criticism out there about the lack of, of sort of substance towards denuclearization in the communique that was agreed to. And so he just felt really good. He was buoyant almost. Uh, joyful at times, and he stayed up at that podium taking questions for a long period of time. You know, we're used to these news conferences where he'll appear with a foreign leader and only take two questions from American reporters and two from foreign reporters. Uh, We've not had a full-fledged news conference like he did today in quite some time. This was highly unusual. I was sitting in the third row right behind Secretary of State Pompeo and Chief of Staff John Kelly, and they seemed to be sort of fidgeting as the press conference wore on, wondering why the president wasn't wrapping up. At one point, they sort of gestured over to Sarah Sanders, the press secretary, as if to to indicate, okay, time to time to end this. Let's get on, let's get on the road here and head back home to Washington. But the president wanted to keep taking questions, and he did for more than an hour. Phil Brucker, in the immediate aftermath of an event, reporters turned to each other. And they say what's on their mind before they are yet impacted by the, uh, you know, the scrum. What did you say to to your colleagues on left and right? What's your assessment after that presser broke? Well, my assessment was just, wow, this is wild. 
<laughs> it was uh, it was just such a day. And one thing I don't know if you caught this, Hugh, from from your vantage point, but the press conference actually began with the playing of a promotional video. It was really a propaganda style video that Trump had commissioned uh, by an American production company. But it, it played first in Korean and then it played in English. And it was a lot of propaganda style images of uh, North Korea, of Kim Jong-un, of Donald Trump, uh, and really tried to pre- present an imaginary world where North Korea is prosperous and free. And uh, Trump told us at the press conference that he had shared that video. He had it made for Kim Jong-un. He shared it with Kim on an iPad during one of their meetings. Kim liked it so much. Trump liked it so much that he wanted to play it for the reporters at the press conference. I did not see it. I have I've been over the press conference, saw every word, but didn't see that part. Let me let me play for you the three grabs, Philip Rucker, and then get your reaction. Cut number 10 on inspections. Uh, we talk about the uh, guarantees and we talk about unwavering commitment to the complete denuclearization of the Korean Peninsula. This is the document that we just signed. Did you discuss with Chairman Kim methods to verify, either with the United States or international organizations, that very process? And do you yes, have we did. Yes, we did. And we'll be verifying. That to us? Yeah, we'll be verifying. It'll be How verified. How is that going to be achieved, Mr. President? Well, it's going to be achieved by having a lot of people there. And as we develop a certain trust, and we think we have done that, uh, Secretary Pompeo. And then go Pompeo, to cut number 11 on what Kim will do when he gets home. But we signed a very, very comprehensive uh, document, and I believe he's going to live up to that document. In fact, when he lands, which is going to be shortly, I think that he will start that process right away. And then Donald Trump, in a rare moment of complete candor, cut number nine. I may be wrong. I mean, I may stand before you in six months and say, hey, I was wrong. I don't know that I'll ever admit that, but I'll find, a, I'll find some kind of an excuse. So, Philip Rucker, he kind of raised the bar at the press conference above what's in the statement. He sure did. Uh, and, it, you know, what was interesting about the press conference is he seemed to, uh, you know, every few questions reveal something a little new about what they talked about. He even at one point said that they had agreed to things beyond what was written uh, in that agreement and signed to. Uh, but he he seemed to be so loose about sort of what had been agreed to, what hadn't, what it really meant to completely denuclearize, how is that verifiable, he wasn't so certain. Um, And it left a lot of people wondering how much he really got out of this deal on behalf of the United States and how much wiggle room he left the North Koreans. I believe, Phil, it took us seven years after 1994 to learn the North Koreans were cheating. Uh, After this uh, summit, one missile launch, one test, the refusal of inspectors, those are all giveaways that they're cheating. And I think we bring along clarity after this. I don't I, I, I see forming a consensus in real time that uh, Trump gave away too much. But I actually think what he got was clarity and sort of the opening line to announce conflict if they cheat. Yeah, that might be right. Um, and, and he certainly got an expression of goodwill from Kim. Some of the public statements that Kim Jong-un made uh, were about wanting peace, about wanting change for the world, about changing the posture and relationship with the United States. And in Trump's mind, that means something. It might not be uh, sort of tangible 
uh, written down agreements, but uh, but he feels like that means something. He said over and over again in the press conference that he feels like he can trust Kim Jong-un. I mean, Kim Jong-un is not somebody that most diplomatic experts would ever say they could trust. Uh, but Trump feels like he made a personal connection here by coming all the way to Singapore, by putting Kim on equal footing with the United States, by giving him the legitimacy that his regime has craved for decades. Uh, he feels like he's made progress. And your question, Philip, about Justin Trudeau uh, revealed that the president gets on Air Force One and he immediately turns on the TV. He said, what, there are about 20 TVs on Air Force One? <laughs> Is that a surprise? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I had asked him to explain why he, uh, you know, he left the G7 summit in Canada a few days ago, concluding that the prime minister of Canada, one of our closest allies, was weak and dishonest but then has concluded that Kim Jong-un, a notorious dictator, uh, is a talented man. And, you know, Trump said, look, it's as simple as I left Canada feeling like we were on friendly terms. I turn on the TV. I see Justin Trudeau giving a news conference where he was critical of the United States and critical of me. And, you know, that set me off. And he said Trudeau learned that he shouldn't criticize like that. And he said the people of Canada are going to end up paying the price in the form of, uh, additional tariffs, retaliatory tariffs. So my summary is to play these three clips, uh, six, seven, and eight. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. I'm making an offer he don't refuse. My father made him an offer he couldn't refuse. Philip Rucker, is that what happened? Well, I, I don't know. You know, I think time's going to tell about how successful this ends up being. But, uh, you know, Trump, Trump certainly got that photo for the history books, and that, that matters a lot to him. We will see. Philip Rucker, thanks for joining us from uh, the Singapore Summit of the Washington Post. Thank you, Philip Rucker. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming in today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. They are preparing grounded leaders who are impacting public policy and serving in the public square. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you enjoy your podcast, take a moment, tell a friend to subscribe today. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.